I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Renaissance English History Podcast, a part of the Agora Podcast Network. I'm your host, Heather Tesco, and I'm a storyteller who makes history accessible because I believe it's a pathway to understanding who we are, our place in the universe, and being more deeply in touch with our own humanity. This is episode 94, Thomas Gresham and the Royal Exchange. I need to do a quick announcement on the Agora podcast of the month, which is the history of Westeros. So if you love George R.R. Martin, you need to check out this podcast. History of Westeros creates podcasts for those who want to get more out of the story. Check it out at historyofwesteros.com. Next up, announcement on the Tudor Planner, as well as the other really super cool items in my shop. People are loving the Tudor Planner this year, which is the monthly and weekly diary filled with Tudor history. It's wrapped up in a gorgeous cover that looks like a 16th century illuminated manuscript. And it has all the regular planner things like a ribbon marker, a pocket, habit tracker, tons of note space. And the reviews so far are great. I love seeing it. People posted photos and videos, and it makes me so happy. There's also other really cool stuff in my shop, like leggings with portraits of the six wives or portraits of Elizabeth. There's some really cool mugs. Um, There's all kinds of cool stuff. T-shirts with Shakespearean insults. And you can check out the shop at tutorfair.com, tutorfair.com. Finally, I need to thank my patrons. I have amazing patrons. Thank you to Al, Allison, Amy, Andrea, Annetta, Ashley, Barbara, Shar, Christine, Cynthia, another Cynthia, Elizabeth, Ian, Joanne, Judith, Jurgen, Candice, Catherine, Kathy with a Y, Kathy with an I, Kaylee, Kiva, Kendra, Lady Anne, aka Jessica, Laura, Olivia, Shandor, and Rebecca from Tudor's Dynasty. To find out how you can join this exclusive list of super awesome people, Head on over to englandcast.com and click on donate and support at the top menu. So today I want to talk about shopping because it is that time of the year. And I always like to do a sort of lighthearted piece around this time of year because it's just fun. So last year I talked about makeup and cosmetics and things like that. And the year before I talked about fashion. So this year at this time of year, I'm going to talk about shopping. And in the days before there were malls that looked exactly alike in every city, how did people go about getting both their needs as well as the occasional fun thing. And were there even fun things? And what were they? 
where did people go before Target? And that is wrapped up in the story of the Royal Exchange and Thomas Gresham. So in 1563, Thomas Gresham, a wealthy London merchant and trader who had close ties to Antwerp, we're going to talk about that. He offered to the city of London that he would build a trading floor similar to that in Antwerp, where merchants could get together and do business. They could exchange news on ships and goods, and they could meet with each other to discuss their contracts. At this point, there were no office towers and no shared office space. So if you wanted to do deals, you did them either at each other's homes or at some kind of public space. Later on in the 17th century, coffee houses would be really popular places for merchants to meet up. But the first coffee house in London didn't open up until the 1660s. As a side note, I love that people would meet up in coffee houses to work. It reinforces my idea that as much as we think things change, we are all so much more connected to the past than we might think. When people go to work at their local coffee shop and have meetings there and use their free Wi-Fi, they're actually participating in a ritual that's 400 years old. And I love that. So if businesses wanted to take it to the next level, they could apply for a charter and become a livery company. That meant they had headquarters and had ceremonial robes. They were always referred to as the worshipful company of bum bum bum. So the worshipful company of mercers or tailors or skinners. In the 16th century, the Lord Mayor ranked the guilds in order of importance. The top 12 were allowed to parade in the annual Lord Mayor's March. There was always an argument between the Tailor's Guild and the Skinner's Guild over precedence. And in the end, the Lord Mayor decided to alternate them. And each year they would change positions. And that's actually where the term being at sixes and sevens come from, because they would be at position six or at position seven. So if you've ever heard that term, it's used in Don't Cry For Me Argentina from Evita, right? I'm not going to sing it, but it has a line at sixes and sevens with you. And that's where that term comes from. So back to Thomas and his idea for merchant space. And I am going to tie that into shopping, I promise. Thomas Gresham was, in addition to being a trader, he was a master economist. There's actually an economic rule that's named Gresham's Law. And I'm not actually going to try to explain it because I'm not an economist. But if you Google Gresham's Law, I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. So he came from an old Norfolk family of merchants. He was born around 1517 or 18. He was the younger son of the merchant Sir Richard Gresham, who was also elected Lord Mayor in 1537. He did go to university. He left early and he was apprenticed to the mercer's trade under his uncle John. He spent much of his seven years as an apprentice on the continent and he learned learned French and Flemish. He took over the work of his family business, and he began to be noticed by Thomas Cromwell. And Cromwell began putting trade his way, trade work. One of the first mentions of him is in 1543, when he applied to Margaret, who is the region of the Low Countries, to export gunpowder to England for Henry, who was preparing for his war in France at the time. And this would, of course, be the famous siege of Bologna. So Gresham was involved in getting the gunpowder for that siege. He served Henry, and then he served all of his children. He was, in addition to being a trader, he was masterful at understanding the economy, and he put forth several practices to increase the value of the English currency. And he helped to essentially eliminate all of Edward VI's debts to Antwerp. It had been around 250,000 pounds. And he almost eliminated all of it in the span of a year because of the work that he did with raising the currency. It's all very complicated, but he was a master at figuring out how to raise the value of the currency. He avoided a lot of the religious turbulence of this period because he kind of just kept his head down and he made money for his monarch. So people didn't particularly care about his religion as long as he was making money for them. 
And he also was making money for himself and his family's business too. In 1549, he inherited some lands and earlier he had made an advantageous marriage to an heiress. So he was rising personally as well as professionally. We see evidence of his smuggling for Mary in an incident where there were these new restrictions on exporting from Antwerp. He actually wrote a letter to the Duke of Northumberland explaining a plan that he had to save England 20,000 pounds. We see him smuggling money into England packed in suits of armor, and he rewarded the customs officer with a gift of black velvet cloth. So he's engaged in smuggling. He had access to the cloth as part of the Mercer's company. The Mercer sent between 50 and 60 ships to Antwerp each year filled with cloth and then imported back nearly every luxury good that London had. Gresham was one of the first people to visit Queen Elizabeth when she became queen. He was very politically astute. He was a really smart guy. He knew how to make money for his sovereign, and he knew when to go visit Queen Elizabeth. He was one of the first people there. She gave him her hand to kiss, and she told him that she would always keep one ear ready to hear him. And Gresham said that that, quote, made me a young man again and caused me to enter on my present charge with heart and courage. In 1564, his only legitimate son died. He did have other illegitimate children, but his only legitimate son died. And many people believe that that's when he began to think about how he would disperse of his fortune and his legacy when he died. He and his father had both believed that London needed a trading floor similar to that in Antwerp. Merchants had long congregated on Lombard Street to do deals. They had to duck into shops. And when they couldn't get into taverns, they just stood in the street and they were exposed to all kinds of weather. As early as 1535, the merchants had said that they wanted a trading floor, and they had proposed a space on Leadenhall Street. Nothing ever came of that. And so 30 years later, in 1565, Gresham proposed to finally build this new center of commerce. He said that he would fund it all himself in exchange for a part of the profits. He purchased land in Cornhill around three alleys for about 3,700 pounds. And he also bought building materials for 500 pounds. He did sell subscription shares to this. 750 citizens and the Ironmongers Company all contributed to the expense. The Ironmongers Company gave 75 pounds and citizens covered much of the rest. Thomas himself laid the first brick in 1566 with a Flemish architect supervising the building and the building materials, most of the building materials came from Flanders and it ensured that it would really be modeled after his dream space. It was a long building with four stories and a really high balcony and a bell tower that was crowned by a huge grasshopper. That was Gresham's emblem. There's a legend that when he was a baby, Thomas Gresham was abandoned in a cornfield. He was only discovered because a lady nearby heard a grasshopper chirping and found him. So even now, today, there's a grasshopper on the top of the Royal Exchange building in his honor. The bell rang every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. to summon the merchants and the businessmen to come and take care of their work. There were covered piazzas. There were statues of English kings. There was a statue of Gresham himself at the northern end of the western piazza. And a hundred years later, after the Great Fire of 1666, the diarist Samuel Pepys noted that the statue of Gresham was the only thing that had survived the fire, the only thing that was left of the building. What made Gresham's exchange so unique, though, were the one hundred shops above the trading floor, a hundred shops. 
to draw in shopping. The idea of shopping as a leisure activity was starting to become popular, especially with the growing middle class that suddenly had a little bit of what we would call disposable income. They wanted to have the luxury goods that they had been denied so long. An example of women stereotypically enjoying shopping comes to us in 1572 in France, when Catherine de Medici and Jean d'Albret met to negotiate a marriage that was going to end the French wars of religion in theory. They stopped their discussions, they disguised themselves as normal women, and they actually went around for a day of shopping around Paris. They went to all the different boutiques and just had this day disguised as normal women shopping. So this is even then the sort of stereotypical thing that women like to do, right? So we've got this new building with trading floor on the ground floor, and then shops open above a hundred shops. This was the first shopping mall in England. And I think that for the time period, for the, the people, the excitement around that, Westfield and Shepherd's Bush has literally nothing on a hundred shops around a piazza in central London. A German traveler called Hensner, visiting in 1598, remarked on the stateliness of the building, how wonderful it was to see so many different nationalities together, as well as so much merchandise available for purchase. This was all new. There had been shops before, but those shops were in the front of workshops. So if you were a tanner, you would have your shop at the street front of your workshop and then your workshop in the back. But the idea to have all retail shops, there were vaults underneath, beneath the building where you would keep your merchandise and then you would bring it up into the shops. The shops were all well lit. You were discouraged from putting any kind of curtains or anything like that. It was all meant to be out in the open, no threats of any kind of stealing or anything like that. It was just a lovely shopping experience. And Gresham sort of saw that as this thing that people would enjoy that nobody had seen that. So in 1570, Queen Elizabeth visits. Up until that point, most of the shops had actually remained unlet. When Queen Elizabeth visited, Gresham obviously wanted to make sure that everything was just perfect. And he went around to all of the shops that were there and he offered all the shops. He would give them all the space they wanted that they would agree to light up with wax and furnish for free for an entire year. There still weren't enough shops that were ready to go. So when Elizabeth visited, actually, Sir Thomas had to keep ahead of her and keep moving goods around to make it look as if there were enough shops that were furnished that you could have a good shopping experience. So I just kind of imagined him. It seems like a Three Stooges act or something like that, right? Where he's just in the front kind of scurrying around trying to take stuff from a shop that she just passed and move it up ahead without her seeing. And so that was kind of the act that had to happen. But as a result of his making these deals with merchants, in two years, he was able to raise the rent from 40 shillings a year to four marks and then quickly after again to four pounds, 10 shillings a year. So it became a really popular place and he was able to raise the rent several times. What did they sell? The milliner's shops in his time period sold mouse traps, bird cages, shoeing horns. There were also shops selling armor. There were apothecaries. There were booksellers, goldsmiths, glass sellers. And the shops soon grew richer and more fashionable. In 1631, the editor of John Stowe's famous survey of London writes, unto which place on the 23rd of January, 1570, Queen Elizabeth came from Somerset House through Fleet Street, past the north side to Sir Thomas Gresham's house in Bishopsgate Street, and there dined. After the banquet, she entered the exchange on the south side, viewed every part, especially she caused the building by Herald's trumpet to be proclaimed the Royal Exchange, and so to be called from henceforth and not otherwise. 
So it was the royal exchange now with Queen Elizabeth's blessing. The new exchange, also the kind of dark side of that is it became a place where homeless people and idle people would congregate. In the inquest book of Cornhill Ward from 1574, there's some writing against the exchange, apparently on Sundays and holidays, large numbers of boys and children and young rogues meet there. You have to watch out for those young rogues. You really do. They would meet and they would shout so that regular honest citizens could not quietly walk. And also the parishioners of St. Bartholomew could not hear the sermon. By 1590, we see some women prosecuted. They sold apples and oranges at the exchange gate in Cornhill and, quote, amusing themselves in cursing and swearing to the great annoyance and grief of the inhabitants and passers-by. In 1622, a complaint was made of the rat catchers and sellers of dogs, birds, and plants who stayed around the south gate, especially at the exchange time. It was also complained that the bear wards in Southwark, before the special bull or bear baitings, they would actually come across the river and they would parade around the exchange. It was like a publicity thing, like you go around handing out flyers now. They would bring their bears around during business hours and announce the entertainments for that night. And it caused excitement, but it also drew mobs. And it was usual during these kind of events to have a monkey riding on a bear's back and some musicians. So it would have been really noisy and probably kind of created not the best conditions to do deals in, if you could be overhearing that. So they created some rules around visiting. So for example, nobody was allowed to wear any weapon. And in 1579, it was ordered that no one could walk in the exchange after 10pm in the summer and 9pm in the winter. Thomas Gresham died before the exchange was fully furnished. He died quite suddenly and his will left the exchange jointly to the Mercer's Company and to the City of London after his wife's death. But she seemed heartbroken at the idea of losing all of the money after she died. And so she contested the will. And the exchange began to fall into disrepair. In his survey of London, John Stowe called the exchange the Eye of London, which I love because now, of course, there's the London Eye. So before the London Eye, there was the Eye of London and says it became a vast bazaar where fashionable ladies went to shop. Donald Lupton, in a little work that he published in 1632 about London and the surrounding countryside, says that the exchange... He says, here are usually more coaches attended than in church doors, and the merchants should keep their wives from visiting the upper rooms too often, lest they tire their purses by attiring themselves. Clever. So Thomas Gresham also founded Gresham College. He wanted a university in London that would rival those of Oxford and Cambridge. And Gresham College still exists today. Later on, the Royal Exchange Building itself was destroyed by the Great Fire, as I said, in 1666. The Lord Mayor opened it again three years later, and it filled up quickly with merchants and brokers, including the insurance market Lloyd's of London. Stockbrokers were banned because of offensive behavior Oh, no. And other brokers needed a government license to trade and numbers were controlled. So it's interesting because you see the Royal Exchange providing this sort of beginning of regulated stock market. That second building was destroyed by fire in 1838. 
The present building, the third building, was opened by Queen Victoria in 1844. It was designed by the English architect Sir William Tite. It kept to the original layout. There's a four-sided building surrounding a central courtyard, and the design included an eight-column portico. And inside, there are 24 large panel paintings that you can go see depicting the history of, of trade in Britain from the early times including an illustration showing the Phoenicians trading with the ancient Britons on the coast of Cornwall. Today, you can still visit the Royal Exchange. It was extensively remodeled in 2001, and it now has a retail center with cafes, restaurants, and over 30 luxury brands. So if you are in the market for a luxury item, you can go to the Royal Exchange. Probably your brand might be there, and you can purchase it, and you would be participating in something very ancient, the purchasing of luxury goods at England's first shopping center. So there you go. So there we have it. The links and resources are in the show notes at englandcast.com. Remember to check out tutorfair.com to see the gorgeous 2018 Tudor Planner and also the other really super cool stuff. You can get in touch with me through the listener support line at 8016tesco or through Twitter at tesco, T-E-Y-S-K-O or facebook.com slash englandcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to be back in a week or so with the Tudor Times Person of the Month, which is Robert Dudley. So stay tuned for that. Thanks so much for listening, and I will talk with you again soon. Bye-bye. Blow, northern wind, a sandful baby sweating. Blow, northern wind, blow, blow, blow. Ich even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.